0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the m M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger, along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, and today we got a ton of news to talk about. It is uh, quarter to five on Tuesday night. Um, so that is where we are at with stuff breaking. If anything breaks later tonight or into tomorrow, it obviously will not be covered, but... Um, been a pretty hectic uh, hectic week or two here now that the Stanley Cup is over. We touched on a ton of news last week, and there's a bunch more happening this week. And with the draft just three days away this weekend, uh, I'm sure it will continue to absolutely fly into the weekend. So um, let's just get right into it. And the biggest trade of the week for sure is uh, Ryan McDonough actually gets moved from the Tampa Bay Lightning to the Nashville Predators. Uh, in return comes Philip Myers and Grant uh, Mismash is his name, I believe. Um, Phil Myers is obviously the bigger piece of the two. He has one year left at 2.55. He was waived earlier this year, but um, overall this is mainly a cap dump for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, An interesting name that I didn't really see on the radar, but I don't mind the move uh, just in terms of him being the guy that had to move out to make cap space.
1: Like from Tampa's perspective? Yeah. Yeah, this is amazing for Tampa.
0: I think um, McDonough is probably probably overrated. I would definitely overrated by mainstream media types in terms of probably what he brings. He might be a little underrated in terms of anal- from like the analytics side of um, people. That being said, I I do think that you can probably replace the defensive value he brings for less than $6.5 million, which he's making for another five seasons.
1: Yeah, 100%. That's the thing, right? It's the opportunity cost as opposed to the, is this guy just straight up a good player? Because, of course, he's not a bad player, but I mean – People love to defend guys with kind of mediocre on-ice impacts with like, oh, well, they play against tough competition or whatever. Ryan McDonough has pretty – and people are convinced that's like this huge flaw in public analytics. Ryan McDonough plays behind Victor Effing-Hedman and with the Tampa Bay Lightning and still has those very mediocre on-ice impacts. Like, it can't be that hard to – player to replace for 6.75, especially replacing Ryan McDonough on his age, what,
0: 33? He's 37-year-old yeah. seasons. I, yeah, I think he might be 34 halfway through next year, if I'm not mistaken. So,
1: Yeah, so like, this is the dream for Tampa. You signed a deal that's good at first and gonna suck by the end of it, and you got all of the good years, and you traded for him before you got any of the crappy
0: years. Like you gave Tampa the best case scenario. Yeah, they didn't have to give up an asset or anything. and I still think probably is probably on his way out the door. They're still over the cap right now because um, we'll get to another signing they made as well. But I would assume Kalorans probably still out the door this offseason as well, free up another 4.45. But it just kind of circles back to the, oh, I'd like to see Tampa wiggle out of this one, and then they get out of it very easily because teams just seem to be willing to help good teams – get out of bad situations for absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah, if I was the if I was the Leafs or the Panthers or Bruins, like I would be pissed.
0: Yeah, I mean the whole Eastern Conference should be pissed.
1: <laughs> yeah, like their back was clearly against the wall and you took clearly their lowest expected value contract for functionally nothing.
0: I also like don't understand at all what this does for the Nashville predators
1: well that's the thing too at least if you were a team with a bunch of good young guys on rookie contracts you'd be like oh well this is the deal it'll get us over the hump ryan mcdonough isn't the difference between the predators being cop contenders or not
0: yeah or even like if edmonton got rid of duncan keith's money and was like well we want to win this this year let's go get a guy to help us right now and the, they're like, well, here's a free Ryan McDonough. That would make a little more sense to me than Nashville, who's just going to be the eighth best team in the West.
1: Yeah, like I don't get what it does. Even if – if Ryan McDonough – like how good does Ryan McDonough have to be to make them cup contenders? Like let's pretend he's Kael McCarr. He, yeah. he,
0: go, Are they cup contenders? contenders. Yeah, even if he's Cal McCarr. I mean, they'd be a lot closer to it, I guess, because <laughs> they also have SARS and Ned. But, like, yeah, like, he's still – I don't think they would be true on contenders because it looks like they're going to lose Phil Forsberg this offseason, too, right? Like, Yeah. At which point, like, no team with Matt Duchesne and Ryan O'Hanson making $16 million as their one and two Cs are going to be true cup contenders.
1: <laughs> yeah, so like kind of just paid to tread water for a little bit. They have worse cup odds in 2022 than the Sabres right now.
0: And that's, that's pretty a little, tough. Maybe, maybe <laughs> that's, that's running really too far. Right. But I, yes, I, I was gonna say I can see it, but I, I that, that might be a little extreme. Yeah, but that's still, nice like
1: if you could bet directly against the lines, I would.
0: I would do that, but still. Okay, but here, who's going to make a bigger difference this coming year? Owen Power or Ryan McDonough?
1: Before accounting for cost, still probably Owen Power. At the very least, it's close. <laughs> cost adjusted, there's no way it's anyone but Owen Power. No. But I think the more interesting question is holding AAB constant, and it still probably going to
0: be owen power yeah like if you just look at war at the end of this coming season there's a not there's a i'd say a 50 50 (laughs) chance that owen power is higher than mcdonough maybe even a little greater than that
1: yeah like because there's a decent chance power just has to be average ish and the other thing is with mcdonough being 33 we love to excuse it when teams in general and then especially older guys kind of slow down. It's like, oh, well, he played a ton of hockey recently. And you know what? It's probably a really, really good excuse because playing that much hockey has to be horrible on your body. He's played almost a full
0: season's worth
1: of playoff games over the past three seasons because he's been on the lightning.
0: Yep. And like playing big minutes, too. Like, that's the thing. Like there was time where- minutes
1: and heavy minutes, too.
0: Yeah, they would give him the defensive responsibilities instead of Edmund sometimes.
1: Yeah, because because as much as I don't think his, his net output justifies his contract at this point, but he's still a good defensive player. Very good defensive player. So if yeah, you're just he, taking D-zone shifts, which are really hard on your body as a defenseman and you need to block shots, that's your
0: guy. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I just, I do not understand this from Nashville's perspective. I think people are giving it way too much credit, especially given his Wait, contract and age.
1: People gave this... Uh, Credit to Nashville. Oh my God, I'm the main I'm, every mainstream media would love this trade for Nashville. Oh, I don't like that. I didn't see. I was not. This was this weekend, right? Yeah, it was this weekend. Yeah, so we were gone. So I wasn't exactly on Twitter. I did so I yeah. didn't see anyone praising it. But I, now that you say that, I'm not shocked to hear that people loved it, which is pretty nuts to me. Like this is the yeah. kind of trade you can make in GM mode. And <laughs> where you sign your 30 year old to seven, yeah, and, and then trade them three years in. Yeah. yeah. The kind of trade that you don't do in GM mode, but you have to tell yourself not to because it's unrealistic. And they just got they just got away with this in real life, which
0: is yeah, truly exactly. amazing. Like the the constant narrative I saw was this is just a guy Tampa had to cut because of cap casualties and Nashville got a good player. In, in reality, sure, but I think it's a guy Tampa would have liked to move away from because he makes $6.5 million into his late 30s and Nashville is going to be getting very, very likely the worst seasons of his career.
1: Yeah, 100%. And if you you look at his results over time, they have been going down because he's a 33-year-old defenseman. And it's not exactly
0: mind-blowing. Again, yeah. And if, like, Nashville would have gotten a third-round pick even with this contract, I would have understood it more because it's like, yeah, you might plan to rebuild for two or three years and whatever. Then he's a good veteran presence, right? But, like, you just... I mean, you didn't really give up an asset, but you didn't get an asset back either just for an aging contract.
1: Yeah, 100%. Like, to be honest, I would have been asking a first plus to have done this. But, like, at least, yeah, if they got an asset back that showed they kind of understood what kind of asset value they were looking at, I would get it. But, of course, they didn't.
0: No, and I think you can kind of lump them in with Dallas of teams in the West and San Jose even of teams in the West that, Definitely should rebuild, but it does not look like they plan on.
1: No, I, you can't make this trade with any intention of rebuilding. At least not if you're Nashville who already has Yossi and Ekholm sign. Like you've already got your old defensemen who are going to be there for your rebuild.
0: Well, that's the thing, right? They have so much money tied up in the next four or five years that like, I just don't know how you justify it.
1: Yeah, not at all. Like if if a younger team did this that was trying to rebuild and they were like, we've got some space
0: or whatever and we want someone to teach the old guys. If the Buffalo Sabres did this, I would be like, yeah, fair enough, I guess.
1: Yeah, it would still probably not be smart, but at least be like, "Ah, at least you're getting functional leadership on your decor instead of just some, some guy who's never been that good. Like at least McDonough has been a lead.
0: But right, exactly. Yeah, and he, then it's, it's like you don't have to throw like Deline and or powers to the wind like you had to do with Deline, right? But like, it, like, what, like, who is that protecting here?
1: Yeah. Like, I pray you're not doing this to protect 32 year old captain your team making almost $10 million, Roman Yossi.
0: But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, usage wise,
1: you might as well use them like that now, but still.
0: Yeah. Oh, exactly. Like he will be used like that. It's just not a good team building strategy for where this team is. And in three years from now, 24, uh, 25 season, they're going to have eight mil tied up in Duchesne, eight mil in Johansson, five mil in Granlin, nine, just over nine mil in Yossi, 6.75 in McDonough, 6.25 in Eckholm. Their ages for that season. uh, It'll be 33, 32, 33. And then Yossi will be 35, McDonnell will be 36, Eckholm will be 35 as well. So have fun with that.
1: Yeah, they're well on their way to being the San Jose Sharks, the way they've looked the past couple of years in like, what, two years, one year?
0: Yeah, and even truthfully, by that year, UC Saros will be 30 years old. Yep. Like he's not some 22-year-old young goalie.
1: No, not at all. And they don't. This is just a treat of a cap sheet. I, I, just, I, I couldn't get over this move.
0: It, it really just seems like the plan is to try and be eighth, seventh or eighth best in the West every year and get a, a couple games of home playoff revenue.
1: Yep, and if, if that really means that much to you, good for you. But also, given how much money McDonald makes, there's no way there wasn't a better person to, to get to help you do this.
0: You would think so, but uh, and you
1: run into diminishing returns too. They already have two top-tier left-handed defensemen. Yeah, I, like at, at least a, if you overpaid a five million dollar winger for six point five in free agency, at least he wouldn't be blocked by the two best players on your team, the two best skaters on your team, at least.
0: Yeah, I I don't like. I just it doesn't make any sense to me. But you know now Tampa. They cleared up 6.75 for five years, which is huge. Yeah. Um, again, I think if they if they move off of Kalorin, they'll be under the cap already, and we'll probably be able to re-sign... I mean, probably go and sign a couple death pieces, or even maybe re-sign uh, Palat for another year if they really wanted to.
1: Yeah, if they can get him cheap enough.
0: It, like, he'd have to take a discount, of course, but if you yeah. move... Calornes $4.45 million off. They're at about $3.5 million in cap space. I could see Palat taking up 3.5 by one to go chase another cup.
1: Yeah, it's the kind of thing most of the league couldn't get away with, but when you're three for three on Stanley Cup finals, you probably could.
0: Yeah, who knows? So um, the other deal, they did spend some of that cap, it would be even more cap space, but uh, they signed <laughs> Nick Paul to – a seven year 3.15 million dollar AAV contract um crazy and he crazy is a little the term is nuts obviously and I think, it's, I think it's very clear that they bumped the AAV down by about 850k by adding some term but he also got a 16 team no trade cost starting in 2026.
1: I didn't even
0: know he got no trade clause. No, it's just cap friendly saying. Now, granted, that is four seasons from now. So maybe they, Ryan McDonough, and in the off season of 2025, they might be able to move on from him or whatever. But, um, you know, we had talked about this off air on the in the weekend, and I think you dislike this a little more than I do. I, I, the term is nuts. You, you shouldn't sign any depth player to more than a couple of years, especially one that you're signing into their 30s. Um, That being said, I will defend it a little bit in that I think 3.15 is at least fair, maybe even less than, like, you might get excess value for Paul right now um, with that. And he is at least 27, not 29. Um, I just... I don't know. Like, I, I I say, as a fan of Nick Paul and watch him, uh, you know, develop in Ottawa, I absolutely love that he got the bag like this, and his playoff run clearly got him paid because Ottawa was haggling over about 3.15 to 3.3 for three years, I believe, at the time of him wanting to sign, and I wasn't sure that was the deal I needed to see them do, let alone add another four years of term onto that. Uh, I'm glad Ottawa did not sign that. But the other part of me kind of goes – Tampa doesn't give a shit what this contract looks like in six years. No, so it, certainly not. Does it matter? Like, it kind of reminds yeah. me of like a lesser TJ Oshie deal with the caps.
1: I could kind of see that. Um, like, it's, yeah, you're clearly done by the time this contract hurts, anyways. You're looking at like yeah. 35 year old Stamkos at that point.
0: Exactly. And like with the T.J. Oshie contract, when it was signed, and honestly, I thought the Oshie contract worked out better than we thought it might at the time. Um, But when it was signed, we went, yeah, that's going to be bad by the end. And sure enough, he's now 35 years old, making 5.75 for two more years after this one. So three more seasons total and had 25 points in just 44 games last year. Couldn't stay healthy. so. Uh, I, I kind of see it as that, as like, obviously, I don't think Pete Nick Paul is going to be good as Pete DJ Oshie, but also the, the cap hits a lot less, too, right? And he's a little younger when the contract expires.
1: Yeah, 100%. And like, he will be a lot worse, but for half the money, that's fine. The thing I was a little confused by, like, I'm sure if you plot war or whatever against AEV next year, this contract will not be a particularly big outlier either way because it is relatively cheap. So the downside was capped. But what kind of shocked me was like Nick Paul offers really not that much offensively. So who are you competing against for this?
0: I it kind of sounds like he was going to get four by four or more in the market, which is kind of crazy. Um,
1: I guess playing on a cup winner does a
0: lot of things. I was just say he also he was their two C the entire playoff run and they were in game six of the cup finals. So yeah. Now he's not a good two C. No, I'm not really saying I think teams should have been signing him for that. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Like it happens all the time, right? Yeah. So I'm I am a little surprised that the AAV is still this high with a no trade clause and this amount of turnover.
1: Yeah, I was a little bit too.
0: If you think if you told me he got seven years and a 16 team no trade clause halfway through the contract, I would have told you the AAV was closer to like 2.75.
1: Who did Nashville sign? Was it like the Cali Yarn Croke deal or something? Or it was like seven by two.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's um, yeah.
1: It was like absurdly long and only like two million dollars-ish. I would have guessed it would have been closer to that,
0: but I guess the Uh, Colton Sissons. Colton Sissons. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Yeah. 2.8 mil, 2.85 for five years.
1: Okay. So I guess, I guess it basically just is a modern version of that then.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. Like I, I don't hate it. I, I do think the one point you raised on the weekend was a fair enough one of like, there's Nick Paul's available every deadline. But at the same time, I think there's also something to be said that you don't want to be giving up those assets every deadline. They already heading into this year don't have their second. So in the 2022 draft, they only have their first. They don't have their second, third, fourth. They do have uh, Chicago's fourth. Now, that will be obsolete in a couple days, obviously, when the draft happens. But next year, they already don't have their first. They don't have their second. And they don't have their first in 2024. And they don't have their fourth in 2024 either. So they're already only starting to work with the third, fourth, fifth, Sick next year. So let's say Nick Paul just costs a third and, well, I think what it, what it was, a third and Matthew Joseph, I guess, of the deadline this year, right? Yes. You don't even have a second. Let's round up and say maybe that's a second round pick instead of adding Joseph. You don't have that second to work with already. So you're already starting from behind unless you want to trade your 2024 second. Um, so I, I do think there is something to be said where it's like, well, maybe we can save a couple assets at least for a year so we can – I don't know if restock is the right word, but just save some going forward. So then they have their second round pick in two years, or if there's a bigger fish available and they have the cap space, they could use their second for that. Right.
1: Yeah. And that part's definitely fair. I would say like the other advantage of being Tampa Bay and being smarter than everyone else is you should be able to find somebody who can do that for
0: cheap, but you're paying for certainty. Like you're paying for a high floor here. Yeah, and I do think that um, Nick Paul will fit this team really well in that he doesn't have to just play center; like he plays left yes. wing as well. He can even play the right if you really need him to. So he's going to be a guy who will probably slide up and down that. Like he'll be playing with Kucherov and point some nights, and then playing playing with like Pierre Edward Belmar and <laughs> like Patrick Maroon on the fourth line some other nights. And yep. there is value in having a player like that who can just kind of do everything and be relatively effective for what he's needed to do. Yeah, like the Swiss army knife. The coach's, coach's wet dream will player mm-hmm. right there. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't hate the contract. I think they're one of the only teams that could get away with signing this and not having it be absolutely absurd.
1: Yeah, if Dubas gave this contract out <laughs> on July 1st, people would lose their mind.
0: <laughs> yes, and honestly, like, maybe rightfully so, given that <laughs> – I think you can argue that one of the benefits of having point and Kucherov and headman take insane discounts is you can go and overspend by a million dollars on Nick Paul or whatever. Right. Yeah. Which it is, gives you a lot more margin for error. Yeah. You can't do that on every contract you sign, but I would say this is what the one of the few that they probably are overpaying. And I would say it's an overpay by 300 K 400 K. And then the term is obviously bad. but again, yeah. this is, this is Tampa signing. It's not like this is Dallas or Nashville signing this contract. And it's just like, well, you guys don't have a future. What are you doing?
1: If uh, I saw a
0: tweet by like a fake Bob
1: McKenzie account saying Jim Benning's the new Sharks GM. Like if Jim Benning is the new GM and signs this contract, everybody's like, oh my God, he's learned nothing. What an idiot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's the reaction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, again, it's just, be, it's so different of um, where the team is because there's very, very, very few teams in this league that can get away with not needing to worry what their cap sheet looks like in five years or whatever. Yeah. And Tampa is one of those few teams because their core is going to be old. Cause even like if Colorado signs this deal, I'm probably lower on it than Tampa because Colorado has got a younger core. Their window should be open for a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. The younger your core is the worse This is, but Tampa's in that spot now where Pittsburgh was three-ish years ago, Washington was three-ish years ago, and San Jose was three-ish years ago where it's like, yeah, your whole core is kind of just in that like 27 to 33 range. Like you kind of just got to go for it for the next three or four years. And if you absolutely suck when your core is 30 to 35, so be it.
1: Yeah, the party is coming to an end. The question is, can you win
0: another cup before it does? Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't mind it. Um, I think it's a very, it was, it was a very shocking deal to see come across the table of uh, Paul signing seven by three. But um, still, I, I think it's defendable enough. I think if you want to say there's probably other players you could target that, might bring some of the value Nick Paul does for a little cheaper. I I do think that is fair. Um, But as you said, it's a high high floor, lower ceiling kind of deal, but you're not paying much for the ceiling anyways.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where you can only die on so many hills. It's probably unnecessary, but I definitely could understand not dying on that hill if you're in the building because it's not the end of the world either.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's kind of one of those moves where it's like, okay. And again, like if a team like the Islanders signed it, it'd be like, well, this is your ninth contract like this. That doesn't (laughs) look good, right? Like if you have one of them, you can live with one of them. Maybe it's not the most ideal thing in the world, but you can absolutely live with it. It's when you start having four or five guys that are Nick Paul's level signed for like seven years where it's like, okay, what, what, what are we doing here? Like,
1: Hundred percent. Like I, would, if I was in that building, I probably would just put my head down and just be like, "Well, I'm saving the ammo for another day."
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. There's a couple of other signings as well. Let's get to let's get to the other, the big one, and then we'll get to two smaller goaltending signings. Uh, Brock Besser is looking like he's going to sign a new deal. I have, Oh yeah, it is official. Okay, it's on cap um, friendly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three years, six point six five AAV. Um, for just under 20 mil total, 19.950. Um, he gets a slight raise from his contract now. His current AOV was 5.875, and this will basically walk him to uh, being a UFA at 28 years old. I'm shocked that this deal got done, to be honest. I All signs kind of pointed to Vancouver and him parting ways, and Vancouver, maybe not sure if they're going to have the cap space for him, but they end up bringing him back, and... I think on a fine enough deal, like I don't, I don't love that it walks him right to UFA. But at point six five is probably assuming Brock bounces back a little. He had a down year this year, but I think over the duration of this contract, he will provide this in value.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize how bad he was, but this year, but if you're Vancouver, you got to bet on the uptick. You painted yourself in that corner. You don't exactly have enough. There's no better option for Vancouver than just hoping it works out with Brock Messer. I guess yeah, and I mean, I would say it.
0: even as down here this year, you had 23 goals and you know 46 points in 71 games. It's not amazing, but it's not like this dude was a 20 point player this year either.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you weren't gonna sign anyone in free agency with more upside than this, or for this for that cheap or anything. Like the alternatives are almost certainly significantly worse at
0: which point I think it's a good contract. Yeah, I think so too. Especially because they're a team that, you know, they, they're not really sure where they are in the rebuild, but you kind of got to figure that out pretty quick. Cause Pedersen's already 23 and Hughes is already 22. Like you don't have six more years to kind of screw around with this.
1: Yeah. You got to figure it out. And if Besser isn't one of those guys, the nice thing is by keeping the term down, and the AAV relatively low, it's cheap enough that if you decide you need to move on from Besser, that that ship has sailed, you can do so and probably get really good assets back because he's shown enough at a young enough age, somebody will probably rightfully talk themselves into the ability to fix it.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, it's. Uh, I think it's a thing where if he, even if he, you know, as long as he just kind of scores 25 goals over the next year or so, even if they 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 determine he's not um, part of their long-term plans, he seems like the absolute typical guy to get a first and good prospect at a deadline or whatever in like a year or two. Right. Like a hundred percent
1: with two years left next year, if that's not working out first plus easily.
0: Yeah, exactly. So um, I don't know. It's a fine. I was just more surprised because you know, they, they're, Kind of pinched for salary cap space. They have 2.1 in protected space right now. Um, they have they don't have a ton of people to resign. Um, they don't have really, really anyone to resign. I just kind of I don't know. I, I was a little surprised. They have 10 forwards under contract and seven defensemen right now, uh, two goalies. They have Matthew Highmore as an RFA. I don't think he'll cost a lot. Um, it just kind of seemed like they were gonna walk away and granted they did get uh, what's his name from the KHL uh, Andre Kuzmenko the oh, 26 yeah, yeah. year old on um, an ELC so that's going to hopefully provide some value for them and so is Paul Colson is supposed to come over this year too so they, they are getting some ELC value I think cooked into their roster here and that's going to help but um, the other thing was like the report is that like Tyler teams might want to trade for Tyler Myers oh
1: my god that would be epic
0: I just like this league is incredible. And like I saw, I can't remember who, but it was someone uh, more stats driven in the uh, Vancouver market, but it was just like, I don't know what people, like what NHL teams see on, in this guy because his, his analytics are bad, but like his eye test is even worse.
1: Yeah. It doesn't take a genius to figure out that Tyler Myers isn't a great player. Was it like Durant or somebody?
0: Uh, I, I genuinely can't remember. It was yeah. something like that, I think. But yeah, like. Um, it's one of those it,
1: things, too, where it's been mediocre
0: everywhere. He, like, he doesn't, it's not like he's had results anywhere he's went.
1: Yeah, he had some, he, well, not some. He was very promising for like one to three seasons. I forget exactly how many as a teenager in Buffalo.
0: Yep. And then I went it went down the drain there. He got moved to Winnipeg. And had one good playoff run as the third pair defenseman in Winnipeg.
1: Yeah. And then was mediocre basically the entire time. And that, yeah, he was third pair behind Bufflin and Truba, I think, for that run mm-hmm. too. And he's been horrible his whole time in Vancouver. I could not imagine adding this contract on purpose unless you're getting like a Canucks first round pick or something.
0: It's a here's Friedman on Tyler Myers rumors. Vancouver is a price. If you're willing to pay that, they will talk to you. Oh my God. Yeah. Like,
1: uh, it'd be tough to tell people with a straight face be like, this is our price. You got to meet it. Or else I'm keeping
0: Diamond Myers. We need a second, or I'm keeping this guy. Yeah. What? Don't
1: lowball me with no third round pick for our replacement level 32 year old who makes $6 million million. a year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For another (laughs) season after this coming one, too.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I
0: just. Oh, this league will never not amazing. But if they could manage to walk away from him or get off of him, there's $6 million in cap space, which suddenly you're up to 8.1 for this offseason. And it sounds like a Bo Horvat contract extension might be in the works as well. Yeah. So he'll be probably, I'd I'd imagine he comes in what, like seven-ish, eight-ish mil probably? He'll be expensive,
1: I would think, Yeah.
0: Let me see what Evolving Hockey Hockeyism projected at. He's at 5.5 right now, so he's getting a raise off of that. He's already the captain of the team, which I think would probably factor into a little more as well, right?
1: Yeah, and he's been like a 50- to 60-point pace guy. While playing huge minutes, I would think it'd be a pretty expensive extension.
0: I'm going to say he stays with the same team. They have him at 8 times 7.1. 2.8. Two eight. So yeah, seven mil, eight years, which seems right around the range I would expect.
1: Yeah. I think the model won't be too far off on that one. I don't know if it'll be a good contract when they sign it, but I models, probably
0: wouldn't say, I mean, it's going to be 28 when it kicks in.
1: Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. It's a 28 year old who's never been super amazing signing a seven or eight year deal. <laughs> yeah. The base rate on those things is horrible.
0: But yeah. Um, yeah,
1: that, that sounds about the right range.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. We got a couple other things to go through. Uh, Scott Wedgwood signs a new deal with the Dallas starts, which I didn't really realize he was even in Dallas, but he had a decent season too, I guess, last year. Uh, he's also way younger than I thought he's only 29 years old. I could have sworn he's like 36.
1: Yeah. I would have guessed really old.
0: I think it's just because he's kind of bounced around the league so much. Um, he played eight games and had a 9-13 save percentage. Like, he only signed two years, $1 million. I can't really – I don't really have anything to say on this, to be honest. Ottinger's their main guy. He's going to be their starter for the team. Um, and Holby looks injured, slash, they're going to walk away from him. Hudobin, I guess they're just done with. And they just traded Ben Bishop, whose season, uh, career looks like it's done as well. So, I don't really – like if he can give you 25 30 games and Ottinger can give you the other 50 to 55, whatever, I guess.
1: Yeah, that'll work. You're gonna ride or die with Ottinger. We get somebody functional to play with them, that's fine.
0: Yeah. Um, for that cheap, especially. Yeah, like one mil per for two seasons is variable as well, even if it goes wrong, right? So yeah, literally no downside on the move. Um, Pittsburgh signs Casey DeSmith to to a, a contract extension two years, $1.8 million per um, people were wondering if he was going to be an option on the open market, but they re-sign him and it looks like they will go with Trista Jari and Casey DeSmith for another year at a combined cap hit of 5.3, um, which again seems pretty reasonable for what the two of them break. Yeah, it seems like a fair enough deal. I wish I had more to say on the Smith one. It's just kind of he's a backup goalie, and when you're paying your starter 3.5, paying a mediocre backup 1.8 doesn't seem that bad.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fine. (laughs) It's just kind of – it's not a disaster, which is probably really all you want to do with a backup goalie contract, right? You don't – it's basically impossible to swing for the fences on that contract, so just get a guy you know who can play.
0: Yeah, and maybe calling him mediocre is a little aggressive. I think he's probably a good backup goalie. The save percentage 914 over 26 games this past year, 912 and 20 games the year before, 916 and 36 the year before that, 921 and 14 the year before that. So he's rocking like a 913, 914 ish save percentage through his NHL career. That is quite okay for a guy who you're just going to ask for about 25 to 30 games a year from. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Pretty tidy business for Pittsburgh.
0: Yep. Um, so one more contract type thing before we get into a bunch of coaching stuff. Um, Colin White is on waivers oh, yeah. uh, from that Ottawa Center. I forgot about this one. I'm going through a rundown. Uh, purpose of a buyout. So we'll see if anyone claims him. I kind of doubt it. I think they probably would have just moved him already if someone was willing to claim him. Um, the buyout is going to, so the, the buyout works like this. Let me just pull it up. Uh, it's basically Six years in length for the next three, they'll have an 875K cap hit. Then they get a cap credit actually for one year of about 600K. Uh, and then they get three or Sorry. Okay. So it was two years at 875 cap hit. One year of a credit at 625 and then three more years of a cap hit at 875 So the root of the 27 28 season. Um, but they do save $10.5 million in actual money, which is the absolutely crucial thing, obviously, for the Ottawa Senators organization here. Um, it's fine for buyout purposes. Like it's very cheap because of Colin White being an RFA and still pretty young. Um, yeah. It's a little. It's one of those things where it doesn't. It, it's not a huge deal. It's just annoying that there's going to be a cap in five to six years of I mean, have eight hundred k on the books. That's really weird rule, eh? Yeah, and it's like, like how like do they ever decide on that? I was wonder. Well, so it the, the, the term the term yeah like it's double the it's, contract length left, but sorry, like the fact that it's a credit. Oh yeah, point. I. Like, that's a that's, weird rule with RFAs. I don't really understand how that works, it's uh, but the I know
1: most esoteric thing in the world.
0: Yeah. Cause if Tampa was to buy out Philip Myers, they would get a 600 K credit this year and then an 800 K penalty next year as well. Yeah. So it's an RFA thing, but I don't really, I have, I will not pretend to know how that is determined. Um, but the, the one thing I keep going back to is like, and I don't think it'll really matter because I don't think Ottawa will actually be a cap team ever. And if they are, then maybe this is a good issue that they're going to have in six years, but avoidable one nonetheless. But when the Leafs retained on Phil Kessel, yep, no one That's thought a- that was going to be an issue, right? And they are just getting off of it this summer, where basically the one, what was one point two that they retained, I think. Yep, one point two
1: for what was it? Six, as
0: well, six years. That would have been really crucial this past year, being able to go add another better depth player somewhere in the roster if they could have used that, but instead they were still buying Phil Kessel. And it's like, again, I I doubt Ottawa will be a true cap team. So it probably won't matter, but like, imagine in five years from now, you're like the senators are trying to compete with this core that they're building and they are, they don't have 875 K to use and they're pressed up right against the cap. Like that would just be a shame for a guy who, Quite honestly, he isn't that bad. He's over he was overpaid. He wasn't worth 4.75 million dollars. But Colin White always took way too much shit from the uh Sens fan base.
1: Yeah, he's he seems like a cap casualty, not in the usual sense, but in the like fan base sense.
0: Yeah, he's the he's a casualty in terms of everyone knows how much dollars you're making. So people get super pissed off when you don't live up to that.
1: Which yeah, like John Tavera's this past year kind of cap casualty in Toronto
0: yeah exactly and obviously to a lesser degree but um, yeah. that's why exactly why I think Colm White is going to go out and kill it with whatever team he signs with I think he would be a prime candidate to sign with like a Tampa a Colorado on a one year one mil dollar or one mil dollar one million dollar deal and absolutely crush it out of the park because I think teams will see kind of like Nick Paul if he can you know he can work in up and down the lineup and extend the role and if he goes on a long playoff run with the team teams will be lining right back up to give him a three by three deal or whatever because he's a fine third line player yep yeah he's just the most generic like dude ever mm-hmm. yep like and he's by all counts he's, he's really well in the room and yeah he's only 25 years old so it's not like if you sign him to three or four years you know next year or whatever it's not like you're signing him to his late 30s but Yeah, 100%. Um,
1: so, it seems like a good rebound can or I don't know if it'll much as be a rebound as just going somewhere else. But
0: yeah, I think he will kind of benefit from not having the pressure of like uh um the the fan base on him, you know? Like if he signs a a close to league min deal or a deal under 2 mil basically, and the expectations just aren't going to be there. So, yeah. I think that'll benefit him a lot. And
1: he's the kind of guy, I don't know exactly how the actual dollars work, but I know you with regular thing contracts, you at least get paid. I think it's two thirds of the money. Yes. So this is one,
0: this is one third. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, so RFA contracts buyouts are one third.
1: Okay. But he still made some decent coin on that contract and he will still be making some money from the Ottawa senators.
0: Go play for a winning team. Yep. Exactly. Like he, uh, Especially for a year or two, Dad. And, and like that's the best way to rebuild your value, you know. Like, keep teams in the NHL love to pay winners.
1: Exactly. Hey Tampa, you need a you mercenary for a year
0: for nine hundred k. Exactly. Same with same with Colorado. Like, hey, you want uh, your Nico Sturm replacement or whatever? Here you go.
1: Mutually beneficial.
0: Perfect. Yep. E- exactly. But yeah, he's already made fourteen million dollars in estimated career earnings, and I don't think that counts the bio money he'll be getting which is about 800 K a year for the next six years. So, you know, there's another, what, $4 million basically. Yep. So he can definitely sign a lower deal for a year or two and then go cash out as a UFA somewhere. I mean, he'll be a UFA this year already, but, um, and speaking of there's a little more news we got to get to. So one just signed speaking of the Colorado avalanche, Andrew Cogliano, new deal with the Colorado Avalanche, one year, one point two five million dollars. Yeah, I saw I this one. Um, what do you? Th- what's your take on this?
1: Is this above or below variable? I
0: forget. I think it might be right on the edge. Yeah, that's variable true. NHL limit contract. Um, it kind of just seems a tad unnecessary.
1: Yeah, like Cagliano's not good, not a train wreck, but he's thirty-five and not good to begin with.
0: It is dead on variable limit. Yeah. He had one point one two five is the variable. So
1: he had one point in eighteen games with the app. Yeah,
0: here. like he was a good or like a fine player on the depth run, like a depth player on the run or whatever, but like. You know what? I I don't care about this as much as I thought I would. For Colorado, because it's only one year, it really doesn't matter as much. I was about to say, this is the kind of guy where if you sign him for 800K, it seems a lot better. This Colorado team doesn't need to worry until next year about haggling over that 300K, probably. That's definitely true.
1: I'd say dream bigger, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't disagree with that. But I do think that this, like, he'll probably be comfortable moving into a 13 14 forward role if they do. Go and acquire more guys?
1: I would assume so. It wouldn't shock me if he's like their Wayne Simmons pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, but like, because he had one point in 18 games. He had six points in 16 playoff games. Yeah. So, um, and again, like in that's the That's what you're he... paying for, guaranteed. Yes, absolutely. And in the playoffs, he worked himself in and out of the lineup too. So, it's fine, I guess.
1: Yeah, it can never be that bad because it's variable, but... It's
0: probably not necessary either. No, yeah, it's not super inspiring. That's for sure. No. But I'm, I don't know. There's always something to be said about good in the room and keeping, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much value to put in that. I don't put a ton of it, but if that's what the extra 200 K is for, then I guess.
1: Yeah. I would say you're the abs already.
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, yeah. Keeping the room happy. You just want to stay in the cup. I would hope you're happy. Like, yeah. Yeah, the room better be happy. Yeah. Um, All right, we got a bunch of coaching and GM stuff together, front office stuff to get to. Uh, I don't know how long this will take because there's some of the guys we don't know about as well um, or just there's not much to say. But one of the really cool pieces of news is that the San Jose Sharks hired a new general manager, and that general manager is Mike Greer, who becomes the first um, black general manager in NHL history, which I think – Yeah, it's awesome. I think it's fair to say it uh, um, took way too long to come to this, to get the first um, Black GM in NHL history, but it's good that it's here.
1: Yeah, 100 percent.
0: And good for him. Yep. um, He's very qualified. He spent 15 years in the NHL uh, playing uh, with the Oilers, Capitals, Sabres and the Sharks. Um, and then he's also been, he was a scout in Chicago from 2014 to 2018 assistant coach with the devils for two seasons, uh, becoming before becoming an advisor with the New York Rangers. So he's played, he's scouted, he's coached, you know, he's been in the front office. I I think this is, uh, a very fair kind of guy to take a, take a shot on while you're uh, retooling here.
1: Yeah. Getting a little creative with it. Um, you might as well. We always talk about everybody loves the GMs of rebuilding teams and everybody's convinced that the. a lot of the good teams aren't as smart because it's probably easier.
0: Way easier to sell um, oh. your bad. Now, the interesting thing will be does San Jose and their ownership think that they are rebuilding?
1: Well, yeah. Which, God, hopefully they do, but
0: yeah, I I wouldn't be shocked if they don't. I mean, they just re-signed, was it Hurdle?
1: That was and exactly what came to my mind. <laughs> hopefully they do. That's why I said the word hopefully, not
0: they definitely do. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, you can make Hurdle work in a rebuild, but kind of felt like that also would have been an all right way to, you know, kind of kickstart your rebuild and get some more assets for a guy who will be probably past this prime by the time you're good again. Wow. <laughs> not ideal uh, for rebuilding, but like whatever. No. Uh, they did fire their head coach this week before even uh, announcing the general manager position, which is always an interesting dynamic, but not shocking. I think then the general manager can come pick his guy. And to be honest, I don't really think Bob Bootner is that special of a coach.
1: Yeah, it's probably best to move on. You don't really want the lame duck coach sitting there for longer than you have to.
0: No, I'm well I again like I, I wonder if they had if they knew uh career was gonna be their GM or how much if he had any input in this because sometimes you do see when a team's rebuilding or whatever, the uh new GM will actually keep that coach around for a year because they want to save their bullet or whatever, right? Um yeah. whereas obviously now the first guy he brings in will be quote-unquote, his guy, so he will have one less bullet to use when it comes to if things do go wrong. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not uh, upset about this move at all. I, I think it's – I don't really – like, I don't have a super strong opinion of Booner one way or the other. I just don't think he's – He's. I don't think he's amazing by any means. Like, he missed the postseason, I think, every year he's been a head coach.
1: Yeah, he's just kind of – generic coach three in my mind. I'm sure he'll get another shot elsewhere and everybody will make the classic retread
0: jokes and that'll be that. Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, uh, exactly. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting where San Jose goes from here. They definitely have a lot of work to do. So uh, it'll be something to keep an eye on. Um, another team that signed a head coach and, The joke was that Tampa, or they were just waiting until Tampa was out of the playoffs, and then that's exactly what they did. Uh, The Detroit Red Wings hired Derek Lalonde as their head coach. Uh, He was the Tampa Bay assistant uh, coach for the past couple of years. Um, He apparently is only 49, which shocks me because he looks like he's like 60.
1: He looks like a Bond villain from the 80s.
0: Yes. Um, (laughs) It's... I, I have really nothing to say too much on this uh, coaching hire. I think it's a very obvious connection between him and Steve Eisnerman, who yeah. would have hired him back in Tampa, probably. Um, he's coached just about everywhere. He's been an assistant coach in, um, at the U of Denver for a number of years, uh, the Green Bay Gamblers in the USHL, uh, Toledo ECHL. E- who's a head coach for a while, Toledo Walleye. Hey, yep. Uh, Iowa Damon's Wild AHL head coach for a couple years, and then the past four years he's been an assistant with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So he's worked his way up. Um, it's fine. I like sure.
1: I mean, if There's anyone fun. would know who was smart, the Tampa Bay Lightning organization,
0: you would think I'd it'd be think, Steve Reisman.
1: Steve Y probably has a pretty good idea. Like you said, he presumably hired him. Like,
0: yep. I
1: and he's a new I, guy. I, shop.
0: Sure. And I don't have an issue with that. I want to like be more optimistic on it, but I can't help thinking about all the times in like football when someone like hires (laughs) one of Belichick's disciples and everyone's like, this is going to go great. And it never goes great. Hockey's a little different because there's obviously not as much you have to sculpt out yourself, but it's just kind of the same, a little bit of the same hesitancy I have. But
1: This is also a weird thing where it's like Belichick hiring one of Belichick's disciples.
0: Yeah, it's almost like Belichick rehiring Matt Patricia. I get not the same exact same, but yeah, but it's like he picked them. Yeah, it'd be like if Belichick moved teams to like Tampa or whatever, or and then brought and then brought one of his coaches along with him a year later. Yeah, so I I don't know. I, I think it's fine. Like, there's definitely, I'd rather this, especially for a team like Detroit than again, go hire Bob Boudin or another retread or something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Go for it. If it, and again, Detroit's in a nice spot. If it works. If it works. If it doesn't, you can move on before it really does any actual damage to your rebuild.
0: Yep. Exactly. So uh, two more coaches to get to then. Uh, the Boston Bruins also made a head coach hiring. Um, I'm blanking on the name of this one for some reason, which shows you how much I paid attention this weekend to stuff that happened. Um, sorry, I'm bringing this up right now. Jim Montgomery, that's who it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's obviously replacing Bruce Cassidy, uh, another guy who has, you know, coached before in the uh, in the NHL. Um, I don't do you have a strong take on this one way or the other?
1: Not really. I mean, was he he was unfired right before the big run in Dallas, right?
0: Yes, I believe he was 2019-20. Yeah. yeah, he was fired right before they went to the finals in the bubble. He was fired on my birthday.
1: Fun fact. Huh. Um, yeah, and then he works his way back up. I don't know. It's tough to have a Real opinion on coaching hires. My prior is to just like moves like Detroit's more, where it's not a retread. But yeah,
0: I would agree. Um, I yeah, like I I think I would rather see uh, a new coach. But I I guess with Boston, they want someone with a little bit of experience. I just to me, I ask, what is he doing for your organization, and how such why is it better than Bruce Cassidy? Or if they're going to be in a rebuild, is this the reason why? And and maybe they look at it as he coached you of Denver for five years and then the USHL for three more years. Maybe they look as like, oh, this is a guy who could, you know, kind of guide us through a rebuild, retool kind of thing.
1: Yeah, (laughs) something
0: like that. It's such a pain in the
1: ass to analyze coaches who aren't like obviously bad or obviously amazing.
0: Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's like there's a very good chance where, uh Jim Montgomery just kind of is whatever and doesn't make a huge tangible impact one way or the other.
1: Yeah, like if we're asking, is this team going to be good? The question isn't if Jim Montgomery's good. It's is Bergeron back and or still an alien. Yeah,
0: exactly. So uh, and then the last one, probably the biggest name I would say out of everyone is Rick Bonus is going to uh, the Dallas Stars and the or Dallas Stars. Yeah. Um, Winnipeg Jets, and that is because Barry Trots has said he's not going to coach anywhere this year. Um, you know, Winnipeg kind of sounded like they were huge in on Trots. They go to uh, Rick Bonus instead, who is the person who took over for Jim Montgomery when he got fired in Dallas and led them to the finals. They then missed the playoffs and then just last year barely snuck into the playoffs and lost in round one uh, when they parted ways. It didn't really sound like Dallas cared to have him as the head coach anymore. Uh, he goes to Winnipeg. Winnipeg is I think they're in for a rude surprise, dude. Every even the media too, but like this team and the media seems to think that this team is way better than I think they are.
1: I yeah. If anybody thinks they're gonna be like a good team next year, I would love to bet against them.
0: Well, like Rick right Bonus, and again, like you can't come in and be like, oh, our team's gonna suck ass for four years or whatever. But like Usually with guys who know they're in a retool or rebuild, they kind of like acknowledge it and they go, yeah, like we're going to try and compete every, I'm trying to think who it was. There was, oh, someone had a presser this week. I'm wondering if it was maybe Lalan, like for Detroit. Maybe. And there was someone, based sorry, there was a new hire base that came in and he was just like, yeah, like I understand that, you know, we're kind of going through a tough point, but we're going to battle to win every game and, you know, just do the best we can every day that's the kind of quote you get when a team knows they're probably not going to be very good for another year. Right. Yeah. He was on, I was listening to his interview on overdrive and he said he turned down some teams that are in a rebuild because he doesn't want to help through a rebuild. He wants a chance to win. He thinks Winnipeg gives him a great chance to do that.
1: Yeah, that's going to be tough.
0: That's going to be a rude awakening. And like, Granted, I, I, if I'm a coach, I'm probably not disappointed by going to a team that has the best or second best goalie in the league. Like yep. that's, yeah, that that's,
1: definitely helps. That's a Jack out That's a road to a Jack Adams right there.
0: Exactly. Like that's a pretty easy stepping block to get yourself like in the playoff contention. But I don't know, man. This team's just not that good. I also, think it's.
1: Do you want to know how much of a retread Rick Bonus is? Uh, he's been coaching for like three decades. He left the Winnipeg Jets as a head coach before Drew Doughty was
0: born. He left the Winnipeg, yeah, he left the Winnipeg Jets as a head coach when they were Winnipeg originally before they moved to Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like here's his – and then he played in the NHL for a couple of years, played 173 games over about six years, uh, stopped playing in 84, and then started coaching in <laughs> as a play, head coach in the AHL. For sure, in 82, 83. That seems insane. Um, 84, 85, he was assistant coach with the Jets for three years. Um, then went to the AHL for two years as head coach. Then got promoted to the NHL in 89 with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, then in the AHL for a couple of years. Then Boston for a year. Ottawa for four years as the head coach. Uh, the Islanders as associate for one. Then head for two. Phoenix for six years, head coach for one. And then assistant again. This dude's had a wild ride. Uh, Vancouver assistant coach or an associate coach for like half a decade Um, to be fair through some pretty good Vancouver teams. And then onto the Tampa team from 2013 to 2018 and then Dallas for 2018 to last year. Um, I don't know. Like he's made the playoffs other than like once you get into the two thousands, he's made the playoffs basically every year as a head coach, which fine, I guess but he hasn't really done anything with that other than the finals run.
1: Yeah. And like looking at the teams, I'm not sure it's, there was that much to be done with them,
0: but that's going to be a common problem here too. Yeah. Like I think it's kind of time. we start realizing that like Mark Shifley isn't a top 10 center in the world. Blake Wheeler is, not only not an analytics god or, you know, top five winger anymore, he's actively hurting the team at five on five.
1: Yeah. Like I think the West coast bias is really overblown, especially when people try to be like, Oh, I'm actually a genius because I think UC Soros is good. It's like, yeah, everyone who still pays attention to anything knows that. But then I see the Winnipeg jets and so many people are still convinced so many players on their team are good because of 2016, 17. And then I think, huh, Maybe it's actually worse than I thought.
0: There was a bunch of analysts that said this team slam dunk better than Toronto heading into this past year. Yeah, this year. Yeah, like, like this season. Yep. The Toronto like,
1: probably had more war than this entire team.
0: Yeah, and like Winnipeg was a little worse than I thought. I thought Winnipeg would make the playoffs, but I thought Winnipeg would make the playoffs because I didn't think the West was good. And they didn't yeah. manage to do that in a shit west. Like, if they were in the Atlantic, they would be overwhelming favorites to miss. Oh, my God, yeah. If they were in the Metro, I don't think they would be favored to make it.
1: Yeah, no, definitely not.
0: So, yeah, I don't know. It kind of sounds like there will be some changes this summer. I wouldn't be shocked if, like, a Blake Wheeler is on his way out the door if he wants to go um maybe even like a shifley which is fine but i don't think this team is in a position to to win that's for sure
1: yeah it's kind of funny too everything you hear about like inside the room sounds kind of toxic there too oh apparently it it sounds brutal and yet the people who love that stuff and would use that as a justification for their mediocre on ice results still are the ones who are like these guys are great trust me i watched them five years ago
0: yeah, it's just kind of, kind of crazy. Um, well, I, was I don't know. It did, was
1: seventeen, eighteen. It was only five years ago that they were good ones. Yep,
0: yeah, exactly. And Not six. You know, the following year they were fine, but they didn't make it out of the first round. So, because I mean, that was a St. Louis year, because St. Louis was the way more trendy pick. Yep. Um, They do have eighteen million dollars in cap space. They only have six forwards under contract right now, but Pierre Luc Dubois and. RFA. Uh, actually, that doesn't count for Fetty either. So he'll be. They have seven. Um, so a couple well, guys there goes a
1: third of that space.
0: Yep, exactly. And then the rest they'll be able to kind of use on guys. So they'll be probably in on people if they want to be this summer. I just. I don't know. It's, this kind of feels twelve like a team... million to spend on five forwards, probably then. Yeah, ish. Um, I would assume they resign like Svechnikov, the not good one. To like a yep. one by one. Or Leakman, or something like that. So there's another forward. Um, they might re sign Paul Statsy if he wants to stay to like a cheap deal. And Mason Appleton probably gets like, I don't know, what did he get? Two, two mil. Yeah, that's, stuff like that. Well, will definitely that's contract I... for, the, for the guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they'll be an interesting team to keep an eye on. Uh, I don't really have a ton more. Uh, the only other thing that really happened, the big thing that happened this week or that came today was Toronto Maple Leafs promoted uh, Haley Wickenheiser as an assistant general manager, which is really cool to see. Um, they also promoted Ryan Hyerty and uh, Daryl Metcalf um, and hired Curtis Sanford as a goaltending coach. So uh, obviously the massive name there is Dr. Haley Wickenheiser, um, which That's is... Sweet. Yeah, um, really cool. See her, And she's, again, someone who definitely has earned the job. I mean, I think the amount of guys who just get the job for just being a former player, she would have been more than qualified to walk into a front office role as just her on-ice performance. But she's also been, what, a skating coach with the organization for a number of years and then a development coach. Like, she has worked all the way on every level. Um, So really cool to see.
1: Yeah, she's been working her way up. Yeah, and given exactly. the lack of representation by people who look like her in the sport i have to assume that means she's more than this.
0: yep 100 percent. i mean like it just uh, yeah and like anyone who like has anything to say about her all all the, it's always amazing so um yep. that's a cool hire to see i don't have a take on it one way or the other other than it, it's nice um you know it's uh Good story for someone who seems to have absolutely earned it. And that's always what you want to see. Yeah, 100%. Um, that's all I got. Was there anything else you want to touch on this week? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, as always, you can find all my work at hockey.com and my stuff on, uh, on myself on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. Chase has been pumping out the draft content on uh, – um, ActionNetwork.com, and you can find him on CM at CM Hockey 66. Uh, I guess that's one thing we we didn't really touch on. Uh, by the time this comes out, uh, the draft will be like by the time we're recording next week, the draft will be uh, done. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but Bob McKenzie did not have Shane Wright as his number one prospect. Uh, who did your? I know you've been doing modeling and stuff. Have you looked at this year's draft? And if so, who do you have as the top couple prospects?
1: So. I've been looking at something slightly different because knowing who the draft overrates is a little bit different from straight up ranking them. But I will say that it's pretty convenient with Solofsky that uh, something I've consistently found is that if somebody's going to be overrated, they tend to be really tall. <laughs> uh, they often have a lot of penalty minutes, all of these things. They tend to be relatively old, which he's not. But Solowski just really seems to fit the profile of a guy that would be dramatically overrated by the draft market. And it's kind of convenient that he's the one that's shot up draft boards and everybody's talking about his upside, which I'm pretty sure just means he's tall. Uh, because Shane Wright had like a historically good draft minus one season, which to me would actually mean upside the guy had like the sixth best draft minus one season of all time. That, that screams a lot of upside relative to a guy that, you know, kind of sucked in the Liga, even though he did well internationally.
0: Yeah. It's kind of weird how everyone's just kind of settled that Shane Wright is going to be like a two C or, or yeah. two two wing or left wing or whatever he ends up playing or whatever. Right. And like, like I get it. He didn't have a great draft year, but at the same time, I, the more I, so I obviously didn't, I don't watch any of these guys, but I've been really getting into, um, Podcasts oh, draft
1: minus two, by
0: the way. That was the story, yeah, because he missed his draft minus one, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, like he, I've been listening to more podcasts on the draft and stuff, just trying to like familiarize myself with the prospects. And the more I hear about Shane Wright, the more I kind of go, Oh, yeah, this kind of feels like the guy who might not go first. And then four years from now, we go, Oh, why did the guy who went first go over him?
1: Yeah, it sounds like something more is going to be like, We galaxy bright the living shit out of this for no reason, like. Joaquin Kemmel uh, produced at twice the rate of Solowski in the same league, despite being younger and five foot nine.
0: So yeah, you want to
1: talk about upside? That sounds like upside to me.
0: Exactly. So, and Solowski's thing kind of comes from, from what I understand, is a lot that he killed the U eighteen tournament, and he was really good in the juniors as well. So yeah, he's done a lot of international success. Yeah, so it's like two things of like six to seven game tournaments. And it's like, well, do you put more weight in that? Especially because there's only, I think, 25 league of games. But still, like, he just did not produce at all in that league. Like, he had, what, three, four points?
1: Yeah, uh, he
0: had. Or is it goals, had, I think? He had five goals in 31
1: games. And everybody's talking about 40 goal upside, which is hilarious he, to me.
0: Yeah, so um, it'll be interesting to see. I think, I don't know, I think Shane Wright's still going to go. First overall. It feels like
1: it should be right. There's just been so much there for so long.
0: Yeah. Um, and then it'll be interesting how the draft shakes out from there. Uh, I really want Ottawa to pick up Simon Nemec. I'm not sure he'll be available on the board. Uh, I say this because I watched him twice in the World Juniors, and I loved what I saw. Um, I'm not actually going to be disappointed if they don't take him and take someone else. But uh, He's
1: another one who pops off the page of my stuff. For a defenseman.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but, uh, I know he's kind of like the high, more high skill, I think, upside. But um, regardless, it should be a, an entertaining draft, as it always is. Hoping He's outscored
1: for... Solowski
0: on a league adjustment. Yeah. And he's a yes. defenseman. Exactly. So well, uh, I would love like if they, they could pick him up. Lot. I think he'll probably go top five, unfortunately. But um, the other thing I'll be interested to see is if... Uh, um, there's any you know movement or big trades i know ottawa's number seven pick has been rumored to be on the board uh it doesn't really sound like new jersey wants to move two or columbus at five i think um for you know the people that were in on to it maybe um so ottawa seven looks philly like a at light, five, you know, option? philly at five that's who it was yeah. sorry um but yeah so it'll be interesting to see what the movement happens uh, but we'll definitely be back to recap it all next week. We'll we'll be recording probably early Monday, Tuesday and next week, sometime like that. Uh, so Campbell, we'll definitely,
1: by the way, Joaquin Camel's draft prop is 7.5. And he is the guy my stuff says is most likely to outperform his draft position by a huge margin.
0: So there's some to root for sense fans. There we go. Exactly. So uh, thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back at you early next week to recap, you know, anything, big that happens at the draft and I'm sure there'll be lots more news between now and then because this is genuinely probably the most hectic two weeks of the hockey schedule from when the season ends to free agency first day or two uh, beginning so um, thank you everyone so much for listening and we will talk to you all next week